Crush Castle, the podcast that's been dedicated to bringing you the highs and lows of crushes, but we're shaking things up for the next couple of months to crush on a whole decade. Yep, we're talking all things 90s by breaking it down year by year with some familiar faces, well, voices, like today's guest, Scott Curlin, my pick if I'm ever in Boston and there's a pop culture trivia night. And he's the host of Riders Bagel Basket and Hell is a Musical, and he's here to talk about the year that had kids everywhere saying, move it, football head, 1996. Scott, how are you? I'm good. Did... Wait, that came out in 96? I mean, it was popular in 96. <laughs> no, no, it did, because Harriet the Spy came out in 96, <laughs> and that was at the beginning of Harriet the Spy. They showed the pilot. Doesn't so. that feel like it was, like, at least 93? Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> no, my mom actually just told me. She doesn't remember a lot of things, but she was like, your dog looks like, hey, Arnold, he looks like he has a football head. I was like, wow, <laughs> pulling that out, mom. She literally does not remember anything from my my childhood but that was i was surprised that 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 is a deep burn from your mom <laughs> it might it's just because my dog's ears are really big he doesn't have actual his head is circular yeah it's his big ears <laughs> so before we start can you tell us where we can find you and your shows online so you can find hell is a musical on the zero science network um that's where also i do the mini series that you were kindly enough to be on once scare Mits daddy so that's on zero science um you can find that on twitter and facebook or instagram um so i lost the password to the instagram and it's been almost a year um and so but uh uh writer's bagel basket you can find twitter facebook instagram um you can email us at both of them and you can find that podcast on all platforms all right yeah those passwords i have actually wrote all mine down for the first time in my life one day and i have it like printed and it's like where my tv is now because every time it's like when you accidentally get out of netflix or something and then you're scrambling to uh it's the whole thing yeah yeah (laughs) it was it was really uh so now i'm gonna have to get back all of our old followers and be like i am not a spam bot (laughs) (laughs) i just forgot the password so we're gonna kick this off with what were you doing in 1996 just a general like what grade were you in were you playing sports like what were you doing i mean you and I have been friends for the last year now. Do you think I was playing sports in 1996? <laughs> no, I wasn't either. I love sports movies, but Jesus, don't put me out there. The most I was doing is I was doing swim team. Um, and that's because that was doctor recommended for my asthma. Um, um, you, were, you were a jock at one point. I don't consider that a sport. I consider that a medical health issue. <laughs> It was a prescription. Like, like they had me be the anchor. That's how slow it was. Um. I I can't even, like, I won't drown in a pool that's like six feet because thankfully I'm tall, but I I could not like do a relay or anything. Like I have no moves of swimming. I'm mostly Uh, like a bounce around. So 96, I was nine turning 10. And that was... 
that was my big movie reading year. So I think that was the year that I think I, I hurt my shoulder or pulled my neck. I was in fourth grade and I did something where I was like out of commission for like a week or two weeks and I just watched movies and read and the the two books that I was reading like crazy were Matilda and uh, James and the Giant Peach. Okay, so you had a favorite author, obviously. Yeah, and then later I found out like many years later that he's not a great guy and uh, he didn't he wouldn't be a fan of my people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, separate the art from the artist because there's a lot of problematics going on from anyone <laughs> from back in the day. But yeah, Matilda is a, is precious. So is James and the Giant Peach. I was so upset when the movie came out because the day I was supposed to see it, I broke my arm. Mm. So I, I had to see it, I mean, in the 90s, months later <laughs> when it came out on VHS. But before we talk about all the other movies and music and TV of it all, I want to dive into your one of your favorite things about the year because you have many but that is the movie that thing you do what about this movie in that year was it made it it for you it was the fact that um my favorite actor at the time tom hanks wrote and directed it and then i was at the time i was obsessed with Liv tyler um i thought she was so cool as we discussed in the jenny lewis episode i had a crush on her so that means i wanted her to babysit me um, <laughs> um because i didn't i as we discussed before i'm not weird <laughs> um <laughs> um but no i i remember just being obsessed with that movie and I think it was because I had uh, special effects fatigue because that was the year of um, Independence Day and Kazam and all these big budget movies with like tons of effects. And I just wanted, I thought the greatest effect was writing your own song for a movie and then getting that to play on the radio. Yes, I mean, that is like the most memorable thing for me of that movie. It was the soundtrack. I mean, today, I think if you made a top 10 of best original songs from movies, it would have like that would be in there for sure. And the fact it lost the Oscar that year to Evita mm. just drives me crazy. But <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, well, no, I still like that thing you do better. Speaking of soundtracks, do you have any other like 90s movie soundtracks that you think are as good or maybe surpass the movie? Oh, absolutely. Empire Records. Um, mm -hmm. That soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, geez, Kendra asked me to pick my favorite children. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of all of the soundtracks because I, I mainly had soundtracks. Um, the City of Angels soundtrack was, oh. was a good that was a good one for me one of my um, favorite lyrics is in that iris song it's oh my god it's so good <laughs> <laughs> and uh i mean of course the good burger soundtrack <laughs> where mean... you had george clinton <laughs> <laughs> i mean should have won a grammy <laughs> absolutely uh there there is one and i'm trying to think of it right now because i know if, as soon as we get done i'm gonna be like oh man Oh, uh, uh, the Force Gump soundtrack I had, oh. and that was a two-disker. 
Yeah, I think that might have, my husband always talks about that might have been one of the first like albums he had, <laughs> like CDs. Yeah. So I got that from Columbia House, the oh. whole six CDs for, you know, like 60 cents, you know, the whole 10 cents <laughs> for, and I picked all movie soundtracks. I did that. I did the That Thing You Do soundtrack, uh, Jerry Maguire soundtrack, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack was another big one. Um, and the Empire Records soundtrack. Like, Empire Records, I think, is the soundtrack that I'm like, that every song is a banger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Movie soundtracks in the 90s, I think they just went hand in hand. It's like you expected them to go along with the movie. Today, they might have like a song, like Lady Gaga will do a song for Maverick, or, you know, Adele will do 007, but they don't have those like cohesive soundtracks anymore, which is really like sad. Think takes away from the movie when you don't like promote those big songs like in the 80s and 90s but you know what can oh you do? i just i know which one it was the reality bite soundtrack oh, mm, that yes. that one was constantly playing um so my i shared my sister's uh um audio blaster like 90s boombox um <laughs> where we had to put in like 20 double uh no, uh, not A batteries, C batteries. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then we later found out that there is a cord that you can plug into. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I feel stupid. <laughs> Your parents are like, you're driving us out of house and home with the C batteries. <laughs> but yeah, Reality Bites because of Lisa Loeb. Yeah, that is a perfect song. I think it's one, I would say, a top song of the decade, of like defining the decade. Um, but you also mentioned to me you love there was like memories of McDonald's this year. So that was because McDonald's introduced the extra value menu in <laughs> ninety five ninety six, and that that was a menu that me and my friends, because our parents would take us to. They just built a brand new McDonald's, and this is how small my town was. Um, I mean, but when it's fresh, oh. yeah, and it was the first one in our area to have a play place. Mm. So our parents would designate one parent to take us, and uh, from our friends group, and that parent was stuck there. But the extra value menu, like my parents would be like, "Okay, here's ten dollars." you're going to the movies and you're going to McDonald's and I knew that for like 3.45 I could get a the double the two cheeseburger meal supersized with an orange high C Ooh, you're speaking my language orange high C is my definite go-to when they took it away it's back. Oh I know. I actually, that's, I don't do fast food as much anymore, but I went specifically to get the orange icy. I did that today because I knew we were going to be talking about it. So I went today and I had it and I realized, uh, there is a mixed drink that I make, uh, with orange Smirnoff and mm -hmm. lemonade and it tastes exactly the same. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to orange Smirnoff and lemonade anything else? It has to be Newman's own lemonade. Okay, I'm gonna try that. And plus, if it's like Smirnoff, you're gonna get a little crazy. That sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Did so, you have. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna say, yeah, like my, all my friends would always do the, the two cheeseburgers. And 96 was the year I'm like, I wanna try McNuggets. Oh. So, so 
I, I did the 10 piece to McNugget and for like three bucks, supersize. Like, I missed the supersize. You, you didn't have, like, you weren't a nugget person before then? I think I alternated, but like, that's when it became like nuggets all the time for me. See, I didn't eat burgers until a few years ago, so I didn't grow up with fast food burgers. I always had the chicken nugget or whatever option. So for me, it is orange high sea chicken nuggets and sweet and sour was like probably what my body is made of because of how much I ate it as a child. But yeah, nuggets are and McDonald's nuggets are just like even today, like I had it maybe a few months ago because my husband was craving a filet of fish. So we went and I was like, they still taste exactly the same. Okay, so your husband may hate me for saying this. I've never had Neither have I. Okay. I've never had I've never had a filet of fish. I don't trust No, no, no. Yeah, I don't trust fast food restaurants with fish. Maybe that's because I'm from New England and I know what can happen if you have the wrong type of seafood. Well, he had he had cancer and anytime he eats something gross, I'm like, that's what gave it to you. That's why you got him. <laughs> he laughs. He laughs. It's okay. He's it's he's fine now. We can laugh about it. But if he does something gross or eats something, I'm like, hmm, it's probably why he got the C. <laughs> and filet fish is what I blame a lot because I my mom used to eat that and I I'm less like it looks disgusting. I I never understood why there's only one strip of cheese. It's not even a whole <laughs> piece of American cheese. Like it's so gross. Like they cut a craft singles in half but yeah i mean did you before we move on did you have any favorite like happy meal toys it didn't have to be 96 it can be of all the 90s oh there, I, there is one in particular it was the back to the future cartoon in 92 or nine. it was either 92 or 93 when the back to the future cartoon came out and there was a DeLorean that came with it that had Doc Brown sticking his head out and I I think I still have that that's somewhere here in my office but that toy and Marty McFly on the hoverboard those were those were my two favorite toys of course I love the Barbies anytime they had the Barbies I was very excited I loved the hip hop Barbie because she had this really cool like for like well they were plastic her hair was plastic but it was like kinky and curly and I also I love the ones that came with the Flintstones movie the whole town yeah, you could build I, oh. I was gonna say that too the other one is um do you remember when they would do the the movie re-releases of, of Disney movies on VHS and mm-hmm. they would they would put it in a big VHS. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Toy Story one I had. They actually brought the, they're at GameStop and I got a Little Mermaid one um, a few months ago. I was like, when they tell you who's in it, like it's not one of those like guess and buy a million of them. They actually tell you which one's in the box. Which oh, that's is good. Cool. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh my God. Cause I fall for those things all the time. <laughs> it's like, what surprise and then I'm disappointed because I had a goofy movie one and it was Max dressed as Powerline oh my I hope you still have that no oh no yeah dressed as a movie so 
Let's move. We're gonna move on. We've been doing this is like the only running segment. Well, two of them. We're gonna talk about a little bit about people's sexiest man alive and the most beautiful person of the year, since this is about crushes as well. And this year, '96 was the first time a black guy won people's sexiest man. Denzel Washington. No surprise. He's like the icon of the '90s. One of them. But it was also like different for people's uh, most beautiful. And this was the first time a man graced the cover. Usually it was women and it was Mel Gibson. Would you say those were accurate of the year? Denzel, most definitely. But 96, 96 Denzel was what, virtuosity? Yeah. I think I think it was. So that's weird. No, but <laughs> like like this wasn't like 92 when he was in Malcolm X. This is, this is like starting to make action movies Denzel. So I can kind of see that and Mel I'm trying to think. It's no sense to me because I feel like in the if they had this in the '80s, totally. No, I know why they did. I know why they did Mel Gibson because he was making a comeback with conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, it's like literal conspiracy theory. Well, that's the the other thing, and you know how I feel about Mel Gibson. Like, <laughs> he's just. I mean, it was the time. It was, yeah, I know. But you know, I'll you say. Know. At least I don't have the year. What what year was Nick Nolte? Was that 91, oh, God. 92? I think it was 91. And we did talk about how it was like all we see is the mug shot. And it's like, I can never unsee that. But I totally, totally get Denzel. Because Denzel, at this point, he was in Glory. He was in uh, Malcolm X. I think, oh, this also might have been the year of uh, Devil in the Blue Dress, which is a film I absolutely love. Um, so I totally get Denzel, but I would have said for like Mel Gibson, you're right. 87 would have been the perfect year or maybe 94 when he was doing comedies, but like, I don't get that. Yeah. I feel like for most beautiful, they had this running thing with, uh, women being on the cover. So it could have been a number of women, Claire Danes for Romeo and Juliet, uh, Whitney for the preacher's wife. So it could have been so many other people. Whitney, I definitely see, um, Renee Zellweger for Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. So a little questionable on the people's most beautiful, but definitely hit it out of the park with Denzel. <laughs> oh yeah. 96 preacher's wife. That's what Denzel was doing. Because ninety ninety five was virtuosity because I had the option of seeing Waterworld or virtuosity <laughs> and I picked Waterworld like an idiot. I've never seen that, but I've seen the show at Universal. Well, I think they took it away for Harry Potter World, but I've seen the show at Universal Studios and it's a it's a trip. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> so since your show is Hell is a Musical, we're gonna start with the music of nineteen ninety six, and we can't talk about the 90s and music and this year without talking about Mariah Carey she had a number one hit every year of the 90s and this year well, her hit was always be my baby why do you think her music was so kind of defining of that decade because I always feel like there's certain like actors and actresses that define a decade and for music Mariah Carey definitely feels very 90s she had hits after but like this was her bread and butter it was did you did you know that I was obsessed with Mariah Carey when I was this age, when I was 10? Oh my god, me too. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was the music video for Always Be My Baby. I mean, the swing, the, the Canadian the... tuxedo outfit of her. I, th I think Mariah, like, she had that wholesome 
girl next door image even when like she went off the deep end during glitter you still you know felt for her i i think it was because and to this day she's very empathetic like you really empathize and sympathize with her you she's someone in your hometown that you know whether it is like a friend of yours who was the girl next door or the head cheerleader or you know maybe that cute girl who works at the Dairy Queen like Mariah was I, I guess this is gonna sound very pretentious and I'm so sorry Kendra but like at this time she like encompassed what America was like we were very poppy we you know don't at this point if you look at the tvs and movie that were coming out i mean mars attacks (laughs) we didn't take ourselves too seriously that is true that's what i loved about that that's what i continue to love about that decade that it was very much like you said we just weren't that serious the movies the music it was like we were having a good time not as good a time as the 80s because when i listen to music and movies from there i'm like everyone was on cocaine and it seemed fun but the 90s seems a little more settled but still fun yeah 90s is coming out of that days (laughs) (laughs) well mariah also scored big that year with one sweet day where she connected with boys to men and this was just like R&B heaven like we wouldn't get this again until a few years later with Brandy and Monica but also that year we had the crossroads with uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony both were big songs when it came to like funerals so I always wonder do you think like funeral home directors were in cahoots with music producers that year I don't think they were but I think (laughs) I think they I always believed back when I did stand up I, I did a joke about how I always wondered if funeral directors have like a playlist or like an attache with songs that would be like well when you play this at this time the person's gonna cry but when you play this they're gonna feel uplifted and the cry songs we have mariah carey and boys to men i mean i think i think that's would be true they probably like you know like a dj has this like cd collection i think a funeral home director probably is like has a catalog like what would your what fits your mother like what fits your grandmama i could see that and oh was it this year or the next year when um i'll be missing you came out or was that 98 it was 97 night night this year okay i thought so i thought i know it was in this time period because i was like Man, there's a lot of songs about death coming out. We also had Candle in the Wind the following year. Yeah, it was 97. So we're, we're going to, the funeral home directors were still going strong and like dictating the charts in the next year. Oh but, my God. Yeah, 97 was when Princess Di died. Yeah, we're, somebody else has that topic. <laughs> Afterlife aside, but all these were great songs, but the number one song that year was i think a song that could be looked at as like the grandfather of tiktok dances and that's the macarena and oh yeah (laughs) if you had to boil down the 90s to a few things i'd put that song and dance in there did your school ever have a time where they made you all do it at the same time my school did only for school dances okay there was there was no special we had a special assembly one day so everyone could just go and do the macarena together it was weird I think I think they probably did it during like they did this weird for the eighth graders in middle school they did this weird um 
students versus teachers basketball game for the kids going on to high school. And I think during halftime, they did the Macarena, but I always um, pretended to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, so they, they, I was the only one who could fit in the, the school mascot costume. Oh. So then after like one quarter, they didn't need me. So I would always feign heat, heat stroke and go to the nurse's office because she always had ginger ale and crackers. <laughs> Nice. I like that. I like that. I would do that. I didn't like being participating in things at school. I'm like, God, just let me go home and watch Jenny Jones. Jesus Christ. So another big song that year, kind of people refer to it as a one hit wonder, but Hanson had so many other hits, people. Weird. Yeah. Where's the love? So, but that's Mbop. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're still touring guys but Mbop and I remember I, that came out or like I heard it in the summer and I was obsessed with Taylor Hansen and then I went back to school in the fall and everyone was making fun of them so I had to pretend not to like them I was like oh crap Do you, were you a Hansen fan? my sister still is um, I I tolerated them I, I thought the first album was like eh and maybe it's because like that was another song on you know the audio blaster in rotation because where's the love was always playing that's the one is that the one that zach sings what what's the song that zach sings on that album i'm trying to i don't think it's that i don't i don't ever remember zach having like a part on a single (laughs) he had he had a song i but that that was the one that was i remember the most um don't think it was until the album um the other the one that had if only on it that i was like oh they're not terrible um i just i i didn't really fall for the whole tiger beat like musicians and i think i know where you're going with this because you know boy bands (laughs) Well, they come a little, they were like the precursor because right around that time we had the Spice Girls came first. So that was like the big thing. And then, you know, Ginger went and broke my heart like so many others. And then the boy bands. But I was going to say every song that was mentioned eventually featured on VH1's pop-up video, which premiered Mm -hmm. that year. And I, I wish that music videos were still beloved like they once were. Are there any like recent music videos you wish would get that pop-up video treatment? Only because of who is behind the music video and the pure comedy of it. I would say uh, the Celine Dion uh, title track for Deadpool 2, Ashes. (laughs) um, Because I feel like Ryan Reynolds would just write the pop-up video. You know, Ryan Reynolds is so smart. He might, like, maybe we'll see that in Deadpool 3. Yeah, I hope so. pop-up video type thing. I really hope so. Here, tweet at him. Get it in his head. I know they might still be. Are they still filming? Have they started? We can get it in there. <laughs> they haven't done it yet. But okay. uh, him, Hugh Jackman, contact everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Grassroots campaign people. Yes. I know. Yes, we'll get it going. So we're gonna move on to TV, and I'm surprised you didn't pick this. I was like, okay, I already had it like maybe in my mind that this is where Scott's going with his favorite thing of the year, Third Rock from the Sun. Because I knew you were going to talk about it, but for (laughs) movies, I I had to talk about That Thing You Do because that film was, that's still to this day my 
when I'm homesick movie that I turn on. But Third Rock from the Sun is my favorite TV show of all time. And like when it was first explained to me, I thought it was a cartoon because I was 10 years old. And like when you say like aliens come to Earth, you automatically think cartoon. And when I watched it, I was like, it is a cartoon, but with people like actors. And I've always been obsessed with John Lithgow um, because he's in one of my favorite guilty pleasures of all time, Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Um, but I've always loved John Lithgow. And this was like a masterclass of comedy acting from a guy who's usually playing serial killers. I mean, he went on to be one of, I mean, probably, yeah. yeah, like the, I don't know if he's like my favorite villain, but definitely one of the best TV moment characters of the last 20 years, for sure. Yeah, and then like, I always liked watching it because I loved the idea of the kid on the show being the oldest character. <laughs> well, I didn't watch this show. This wasn't something I actually tuned into as a kid. I wasn't into it. Have you seen it since? My my husband has watched a couple episodes uh, for his podcast, so I've seen it bits in here. I like the not the other guy, the other guy. Oh, uh, Harry, French Stewart's character. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy, he watched one where somebody stole his coat or he forgot his coat on the bus. And then he had to go get it and the guy was like wearing it. I thought that was pretty funny. I think it was the same episode where John Lithgow is like, doesn't get stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like that one. <laughs> so I've, I've seen one or two. I don't remember the other one, but yeah. I think it's a show you would love. I don't I think he has to buy them on Prime. So we have bought the two episodes. If it oh, ever I, is, like, I think free? it's free. I think it's free on Roku. Okay. Or Tubi. One of the free. To check out Tubi. Yeah. But that was on NBC. So I wasn't watching a lot of NBC as a kid. I was obsessed with TGIF. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch came out that year. And I just mm-hmm. thought, like, that took over. That was, like, my whole personality. I was like, I'm going to be a witch. Do you think that kids today are missing out on that dependable weekend block? Because you had Friday night, but you followed it with Saturday morning cartoons. It was, like, our ritual. Kids today don't well, have that. For me, it went must-see Thursday because that was Friends, Third Rock from the Sun, some other shows i think ned and stacy was on there and then it went to tgif like i i planned out my my week based on musty thursday going into tgif then going into saturday morning cartoons and then uh foxes this was before it was animation domination but the the sunday night block when it was um simpsons the critic king of the hill and then going into x files so like if there was no tgif it would throw off my consistency and like <laughs> yeah it's but but do you think like kids today could benefit from like this oh, kind yeah, of tv absolutely. schedule yeah absolutely oh kendra we we forgot the most important thing snick, snick. That, yeah <laughs> like we had i mean our whole lives were these little i guess kids today still look at screens and we were doing kind of the same thing but it was more communal i, I feel because we would go to school the next week and be like did you watch boy meets world oh my god yeah like that that's my problem with binge like binging mm-hmm. shows like also that's my problem with streaming i miss like i i am a uh die hard for you know basic cable television like like for some reason it's that nostalgia factor it's 
the I whole... call it being a TV yeah. traditionalist. Really? There's actually a term for... I don't know. Like that's the... what I call it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I love that too. Yeah, I miss that so much. It's like... Like, I miss when the world, I always say this to my friend, I miss when the world felt smaller. Like, we all knew the same songs, we all watched the same TV, and while that seems kind of boring in retrospect, but it, I feel like connected us more. Like, you went to school the next day, and everyone was watching American Idol back in, like, middle school, high school, and everything, and you would talk about the horrible people that auditioned, and it felt nice today it's like your friend like my friend finished atlanta months ago and i'm just watching it now because i just got to it so it's kind of like she's like wait what happened so it's not as fun yeah stuff like that yeah i i i miss that and tgif like sabrina i it, it finally put like the piece in the puzzle that was missing on tgif because you finally had the definitive TGIF block. You had Family Matters, then Boy Meets World, then Sabrina. Or it was Sabrina, Family Matters, Boy Meets World. And then, I don't know if you remember this, they added Muppets Tonight. I probably don't remember as much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, the they, they thought people. that <laughs> they thought the Muppets could be the anchor that ended TGIF. <laughs> Hmm. I probably was like watching, but just waiting for 2020. I was like, yes. Yeah. I, I would, was I was this hyped. still Barbara? Was this still Barbara? Yeah, Walters I grew up with okay. Barbara and Hugh Downs. Those okay. were my two, like my OG 2020s. I would be hyped to like when the commercials, I'd be like, oh, mom, they're doing an investigative story tonight. <laughs> I get. So when Barbara, we, when she passed, I was very sad. She was like one of my favorite people. But, you know, as wacky, I'm, like, Sabrina definitely brought this, like, wackiness to TV and that lineup. But there was, like, some normalcy. We had the regular sitcoms, like, Everybody Loves Raymond, which has one of my favorite TV dads. He's a dill, Frank Barone. And it was kind of in this era where, like, I thought like, you were skin... going to say Frank Barone. <laughs> He's cool. I love, I love the whole family. But Raymond, I, I've stalked him before. Like, I love him. <laughs> But it was like every, all these like stand-up comedians were getting shows. Like you had like from Roseanne to Reem and everything. Mm -hmm. And even today, like Donald Glover as Atlanta, I mentioned him. Pete Holmes had Crashing. But do you think there are any current stand-ups that you would like to see tackle that traditional CBS sitcom? I mean, the one that I was rooting for had it and it lasted like five episodes and that was Mulaney. <laughs> like... I forgot he had one. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the comedians I follow now have... I mean, Pete Holmes would be a good one. Um, I think he was supposed to have one. It was about a uh, bowling alley or something like that. Yeah, and it, I, I think it only aired, like, six episodes. But um, I was a big fan of when uh, Gerard Carmichael had Carmichael yeah. show. So, mm -hmm. like, he's one of my favorite comedians. So that was, like, that's there. But I'm trying to think of anyone else. I mean, I think Mulaney should get another attempt because didn't Seinfeld have at least two before Seinfeld came out? Like, they tried multiple times. See, yeah, probably, yeah I mean, he just got to try again. Maybe it just wasn't the right fit because CBS loves a sitcom. They're kind of still the most traditional of TV for me. Oh, I, I know who it should be. It should be Eliza Schlesinger. Oh, <laughs> No? I don't like I her and the other one, Nikki Glazer. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> I, I I I like Eliza. Um I, I don't know if there's anyone else because 
I feel like we missed that comedy boom. We don't have that anymore. We don't have, like, Netflix kind of took that away. I mean, Chris Red would be one that I would totally love to see get his own sitcom. Like, he was the the comic relief on Keenan, but, like, I feel like Chris Red. Um, oh, N- Natasha Legero and Moshe mm-hmm. Kasher. I mean, they're, they're a married couple. If they gave them a sitcom about, like, being a married couple and how you know crazy their life is like that would be great they would be a good one they're a good couple too a good comedian couple. oh and Patton Patton Oswalt oh yeah he would be he would be a great fit for CBS too yeah I mean he was on King of Queens but like it would be great if he finally got his own thing it, yeah he didn't just have to be the voice on the Goldbergs <laughs> yeah because AP Bio, they canceled that. So, like, get, get Pat in his due. Yeah, I think, see, we could, once we get done with Deadpool doing pop-up video, we'll get Pat and Oswald a CBS show. Yeah. We'll do our due diligence. But there were, like, so many great shows that came out, but we said goodbye to some, like, Pete and Pete, Captain Planet, Fresh Prince. But it didn't take long for Will Smith to go on because you mentioned he was in Independence Day mm-hmm. like and it kickstarted this kind of like July 4th box office run for him big Willie weekend I know do you think out of all his movies of the 90s Independence Day was like his best though no I think his best was the next year I think I think his best film of that decade was Men in Black it was yeah i I love i saw independence day twice in theaters and i even went to in at the boston museum of science there's the omni theater which is this round uh imax theater and i saw what was it special effects so it basically went into the special effects of movies that came out in the 90s so they did twister they did independence day and they did kazam and the original Star Wars trilogy, and John Lithgow narrated it, um, but uh, and Mars Attacks, and I remember them doing the behind the scenes of when Will punches out the alien and what the alien originally looked like, and seeing an actual guy in a suit was like so cool to me. <laughs> You've mentioned Kazam so much. You're like it's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a film that I am not a fan of. It, it was, does not hold up. <laughs> it was the film that I realized, oh, movies can be bad, but they were like trying to sell us on Kazam. I remember going to see Harriet the Spy, and there was uh, him on the bike, like, and, and it was like it was a dangling Kazam poster. It was like a cardboard cutout, but it wasn't like a a normal like like standee it was above the concession stand Mm. well that sounds cool but yeah kazam doesn't hold up i did try to watch that recently but men in black does i actually watched that like last week or something and still perfect yeah and and independence day still holds up too most of the movies of, of uh 96 that were special effects driven hold up 
Well, we're, we'll talk about another one that you mentioned, and that is Twister. It came in number two that year. And I just remember like the VHS tape and my mom really liked it. They had the cow in the commercial, but I'd never seen it until a couple of in recent years. And it just wasn't for me. But I do want to know, as somebody who did enjoy it, what made this movie about like tornado chasing gangs and romance such a hit for you? What am I not seeing? Bill Paxton. That's literally, I mean, I love Bill Paxton. Um, And I got, this is going to sound weird, but something about seeing Car- Carrie Elway's, who is Wesley, uh, in The Princess Bride as the villain. And he's only a villain because he's sold out. <laughs> Um, and just all the crazy characters. I mean, you have uh, Alan Ruck, who was Cameron Fry in in Ferris Bueller. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jamie Gertz. Like it, it's just like it's almost like a Paul Thomas Anderson style ensemble in this very poorly written action movie. Where the villain, I think this is what I love the most is there's no real villain. The villain is nature. (laughs) And you technically can't be mad at it because if you're dumb enough to hop in a like Toyota 4x4 and (laughs) drive into into a tornado, you're kind of the villain. Like, I mean, yeah. But yeah, maybe so it's like the ensemble cast is what made this movie... It's just everything like like this is a film that should not work and it it works so hard and i think it's because i just i always thought bill paxton was so cool which is weird because uh my wife's two crushes um well she has her three crushes are bill pullman who was in the number one movie of that year independence day and bill paxton and then brendan fraser um but like all bees all bees <laughs> Bill, Bill, (laughs) Bill, Bill and Brandon. Um, (laughs) She's like Bill Murray, just cause. Ah, but yeah, there's something about this movie. And I also think it's the food in it too. Like the thing (laughs) I remember the most is that breakfast. Okay. So like being a fat kids, I think Mm -hmm. freaking when a movie has like a good, me and my husband always talk about this. He's a former fat kid and we have all his memories you no know, if they're movie or just family related or our food literally yeah. so yeah i could see the food because that's for me like ninja turtles or a goofy movie it's always like the pizza or something yep the pizza and a goofy movie <laughs> looks so good so like while twister wasn't for me i didn't see it as a kid i did see the hunchback of notre dame four times in theaters and there was just something about the opening scene that i loved to death and that's why i kept going back but it is quite possibly one of disney's creepiest movies when you consider frollo and the sexual harassment like mm-hmm. how do you think that flew at disney <laughs> i i honestly think that's why jeffrey katzenberg got fired <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, he had three flops in a row from 95 to 97 Pocahontas this and Hercules and when I say flop it's the loosest term it's because they came in like number two and not number one I think something about it they went way too dark they gave the guys who directed Beauty and the Beast carte blanche and they're like, no one, we're going to go 
balls to the wall. <laughs> I mean, it is. I'm from just the content to the actual look of it. It is very, very dark for a kids' movie. But thankfully, we had movies like Space Jam and random live action movies with plots like Carpool and House Arrest. <laughs> now, all of these movies for me still hold up, and I can watch them at any time. Of the three, do you have like a favorite memory of any of those? I quote. I still, to this day, quote carpool. Uh, one time I ate mud, and then I had to be rushed to the hospital, and I had to have my stomach pump, and I met a man with a monkey heart. <laughs> like, um, but house arrest is is another one because Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Talk about crushes of all time. <laughs> like from A Fish Called Wanda to House Arrest. Like this was the time where I saw. Fish Called Wanda and House Arrest. So, like, I had Jamie Lee Curtis on the brain. <laughs> it must be something for kids because my, when my little brother was around fourth grade, he had a friend that loved Jamie Lee Curtis because of Freaky Friday. So, like, I, she just appeals to young boys. <laughs> 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 but I remember uh, when I first went to college, it was like 2005 I hadn't had the internet until then I was really excited and MySpace was popping up off and like me and my friend we stalked the frog voice kid from carpool and we were like asking him questions on MySpace and he told us how they filmed the movie and when they drove through the mall it was in Canada so that was like the highlight of my college oh, life. <laughs> the kid the kid who was froggy and little rascal yeah yeah mm -hmm. I was like, oh my, and we would try to find people who had been on like Legends of the Hidden Temple <laughs> and yeah. like all those shows. That's how I spent my college years. The first That's... ones and the last ones were being obsessed with High School Musical. So like I said, I'm, I was like the cool kid in college. You were the cool kid in college. <laughs> but, so there's all these kids movies, but there was like this one movie in 1996 that I think a lot of people our age loved but shouldn't have because it wasn't geared towards us. And that's First Wives Club very strange that like me How at that did I age know you were gonna mention that <laughs> like i was i don't my mom didn't even i think this was my choice to rent i don't know why maybe this is why i love like grace and frankie now but i was obsessed with this movie and i know ariana grande when she did kim uh ellen degeneres she kind of paid homage to the last scene of it and she's even younger than me so why do you think this movie is something that I think you literally just nailed it, Kendra. It's that last scene. It's the musical number at the end. It's the don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to say. We're just a rebellious generation and we love these older women. <laughs> I think we love these three Broadway starlets. Like, um, Also, I think it's the rule of threes with Bette Midler. I think what, seeing the poster with Bette Midler in the middle just... Mm -hmm clicked our brain to hocus pocus which was like three years previous so like you see three women on a movie poster and then winifred sanderson is in the middle and i mean she even had uh, sarah jessica parker in this so maybe we went into it like maybe this is about some witches but we got something i would say even greater and that is yeah. divorcees <laughs> yes <laughs> And I do want to shout out Romeo and Juliet because I'm telling you, I hate Shakespeare. I hate, I can't read anything he said, like writes. It doesn't make sense to me. But this movie did make it bearable. And I remember like we actually, when we read it in ninth grade, we just watched the movie too. It was like our treat at the end. Yep. Was this something that you 
did you like Shakespeare before this movie or even attempt? So this is where I show what a uh, nerd I am. Um, I loved Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet <laughs> um, as a kid because I was told that Lion King was Hamlet. I was like, oh, so they, they made a live action version. Um, <laughs> but I, I've always been obsessed with Shakespeare, uh, especially the Ethan Hawke version of Hamlet. Um, and this version, the only thing I've talked about it on Bagel Basket, we did Boslerman's Romeo plus Juliet. Um, it's not Romeo and Juliet, it's Romeo plus, plus Juliet. Yeah, William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. Um, I, the thing that I love about it and why I can tolerate it and watch it over and over again is two performances. And I think I, you know what I'm going to say. Um, John Leguizamo as Tybalt and, yeah. and Harold Pernal, Pern, Perun, but Mercutio, mm. the guy, the guy, guy who plays Mercutio. Yeah, I mean, it's like the only Shakespeare I can get behind. I think it's just because Leo is so pretty. Yeah. Pretty in it. I and it, it, it's, it's a really, it's entertaining. It's a really ballsy way to tell Shakespeare, setting it in what is supposed to be L.A., but it's clearly Brazil. <laughs> like <laughs> They tried. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's literally Rio. Um, but yeah, that entire soundtrack is another great soundtrack, especially when um, the the Everyone's Free to Wear Sunscreen uh, song comes from this movie. It's playing It's playing in the church. The choir sings it before they sing Dove's Cry. See, you remember it more than me. See, that's like Shakespeare. I'm like, mm, it was good. Mm, also, me. but... Another crazy cast, Kendra. It's because yeah. like you have Brian Dennehy as uh, uh, Montague as Lord Montague, and you have Paul Sorvino as Capulet. R.I.P. So before we wrap up, we have some popcorn questions. So I have fifty questions, and you're gonna give me five numbers, one through fifty, and they're all '90s related. So let's go. Okay, let's go with 23. Do you think we figured out what Mbop is about? I I remember this SNL sketch with when Helen Hunt hosted Hanson was the musical guest and Taylor Hanson said, it's about nothing. It's a song about nothing. It's, it's just Seinfeld of music. Yeah, it's basically a, a filler word for something that might be bad. Kind of makes it dark. <laughs> Man, I feel like I deserve a mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next number. Uh, let's go with 42. Is life really like a box of chocolate? I actually think it is. <laughs> because you really don't ever know what you're going to get. We talked about Forrest Gump, and it is one of the, I think, one of the greatest movies ever. It still makes me cry. I, I we discussed how I have seen up to Bubba dying a million times. <laughs> And I've seen after that maybe hundreds of times because I can never get back. I was like, I will turn it off before the Bubba part. I can't do it. It just, it's too hard. It It's when the part that gets me is when uh, he f re realizes that Forrest is his son and he feels like he did something wrong. He takes a step back and 
and he goes is he smart or is he and he's about to say yeah. like me and i'm like oh god mm -hmm. yes 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 you're like oh jesus he knows he knows yeah <laughs> next number uh let's go with 17. well leonardo dicaprio and this is talked about a lot could jack have really fit on the door <laughs> absolutely like my wife and i have literally we're both on that 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 side but Haley and i have talked at length for hours about how selfish rose is and how <laughs> he could have fit on that fucking door there like, is there's no way he couldn't have you're like this was our first date hours of titanic discussion <laughs> I mean, yeah, she they definitely could have. I feel like are there there was had to have been something else floating. It was a whole boat that went down. There was nothing else around. I mean, this is gonna get dark, but there were a bunch of bodies. Bo bodies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make a raft. Like take take your like, did he have a belt? He could have wrapped like two people together. Like, come on. <laughs> I think there was a Simpsons parody of Titanic where where Homer actually does that. <laughs> I could see Homer doing that. <laughs> He would. Next number? Uh, let's go with 30. Do you think that Mr. Feeney ever got tired of those kids' bullshit? No. I think he I think he loved it because it was always an opportunity to teach. He was a true educator. Yes. I mean he must have loved it though, right? He followed them through college. Yes. <laughs> and then he even popped up in Girl Meets World to keep on teaching. I still can't believe that Bill Daniels is still alive. He's like 96. I know. Every time he trends, I'm I'm scared. Yep. I'm like, please stop. We don't do this unless it's it, okay? Because <laughs> that's the one that, that's going to hurt. Yeah. And that's another thing that always makes me misty eye. It doesn't make me cry, but it's when he says, class dismissed. I love mm -hmm. you all. Yeah, I know. It's That is a really good finale. There's so many good 90s finales, but that one, that's a moment that I really love. It's not my favorite series finale, but one of the best moments. And your last number? Nine. Oh, yay. We're going to do a fuck, Mary kill. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Kapowski, Lisa Turtle, and Jesse Spano. Okay. This is going to be very controversial, but <laughs> I would kill Kelly. Oh, I would marry Lisa, and that just leaves Jesse. <laughs> All right. Wow, Kelly, mm, she's I, always I, on the Mount Rushmore of '90s crushes. I always thought Jesse was way more attractive than Kelly, and if you want to bring me back to Crushgasm to talk about that, I could talk about Elizabeth Berkeley for an hour <laughs> like i always thought as a kid why is that going after kelly because jesse is way more attractive was it pre or post showgirls pre okay okay yeah i mean uh, post showgirls actually kind of <laughs> ruined it for me <laughs> like, i like i did watch the reboot or remake or whatever and she's mm -hmm. cool i didn't see the second season but the first season she was fine she was cool i like that she was involved <laughs> Mm -hmm. but yeah it's interesting I think they're all beautiful but yeah but Kelly and Zach made so much sense and I feel maybe because Jesse's height she just went better with Slater I don't know I think she was taller than all of them though yeah she was uh, like not Screech yeah <laughs> she wasn't gonna go with him no unfortunately but yeah Tori Tori's Violet so 
Our last question is, if you were the age you are now, but in 1996, what do you think your life would be like? Well, uh, question to this. Do I have knowledge of the future? <laughs> no, no. You're just okay. your age now. It's 1996. Um, I, I feel like I would either own my own vintage movie theater or be a writer on one of the shitty sitcoms that we were talking about i feel like <laughs> not even shitty i feel like I, I would be a writer on third rock from the sun and spending my nights like going to blockbuster and renting movies <laughs> and getting tons of msg ridden chinese food nice uh, you're, you're probably the second person to not say a lot of drugs for some reason that is like everyone's thing like what about the 90s screams that I'm going to like <laughs> yeah like I'm going to Blockbuster I'm having like McDonald's I'm just doing yeah I'm, I'm, I'm getting all the food I'll probably die on all of the fast food I'd be eating because like this is when they were using like weren't they still using like lard our uh, t beef tallow and making the fries at McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that and KFC at this time and Popeyes, mm -hmm. like, I, I would, oh, man, if I lived in L.A. and I was writing on a show, I would probably have a heart attack with all of the, <laughs> the junk food I was eating. Mm, God. Mm, KFC, that was, a, that was a big hit back in the day for me. Mm-hmm. I remember because they would give you a weird number of biscuits and we had a family of four. I think they'd give you six. So it was always like, son of a bitch, I was getting that other one. I mean, 96 is one of my perfect memories of KFC because I broke my thumb. I had to be rushed to the ER because I got my thumb locked in the car door. Um, <laughs> and my dad felt bad. So he got, he stopped at KFC on the way home and picked us up like the 20 piece family meal that came with four sides um that's how bad he felt <laughs> he made sure I got my own mashed potatoes but at Ooh. the same time my mom felt bad and she picked us up pizza from Papa Gino's my dad didn't know this so I had I was like this is the best meal ever I need to get hurt all the time oh my God. because pizza I had and KFC? pizza and KFC so it was breadsticks and mm. an extra cheese pizza and it was the best night ever and I got to rent an R-rated movie so what movie was it speed oh that was rated R yep I have we talked about this in 94 about how our parents just let us watch anything do anything back in the day and we're like yep yeah this is what we did and yeah I remember watching speed and being like this is cool and I <laughs> I didn't think it was rated R worthy though uh me like <laughs> it's because it's at the beginning with the elevator mm -hmm. i still i think i think it's pretty tame <laughs> compared to other things but yeah we were watching a lot of wild things <laughs> back in the day <laughs> but the movie we... wild things are just i mean wild. they were that was something else that i i actually never seen that movie you don't need to <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, can you remind people where they can find you online? Yep, you can find me at uh, Writer's Bagel Basket on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, Hell is a Musical uh, on Twitter. We're at 
hell underscore pod and the instagram that we're creating is probably going to be at heim h-i-a-m pod which we'll probably get the haim crowd of people who think that we're the band haim um (laughs) And uh, when Scary Met Stabby is also on Instagram. So, yeah. All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to talk all things 1996 with me. And everyone, you can find all of his information below. And until next time, as always, keep crushing it. <laughs>